All right. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just as a reminder, the uh, Northeast uh, Pastors Conference, Northeast States Pastors Conference, is going to be uh, September 23rd to the 25th. Is this, when's the deadline to sign up for that? Um, I, I, they can sign up online. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so if, if anyone is interested in going to that, uh, the 23rd to the 25th is what, a Thursday, Friday? Oh, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. So if anyone's able to make that or you're interested, I can tell you this. I've, I've been to a bunch of them. Um, it's, you know, it's hard when you work and stuff like that. But if, uh, if you're able to make it, I guarantee you'll be encouraged. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. Um, the pastors that are going to be there, what my, one of my personal favorites of all time, Joe Foch, is going to be there. Uh, he's an amazing Bible teacher, an amazing preacher. And uh, I never forget the first time that I went. You know, we, we grew, up, grew up in a denomination, and um, things are always done a certain way. And, 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 you know, I really had not, I had no idea, really, uh, about, about, I still don't, <laughs> I guess. But uh, just, just the grace of, of our Lord. Uh, and the grace, the way he sees us, you know, I always, I always kind of, I always felt like, the, and I was always the kid in trouble, right? And I felt the same way with God. Like I was the kid in trouble with God all the time. And so I'd come Sunday and I'd beg for forgiveness, you know, oh, please, Lord, oh, don't kill me, you know, because uh, I believed, I always believed in God and I was afraid, gosh, he's going to want to kill me. You know what I mean? You know, and he knows my thoughts, <laughs> you know, he knows the stuff I've done and and I always kind of had that idea about that, the feeling of impending doom, you know. And man, the first time we went to the Calvary Chapel uh, Pastors Conference, if you've never read it, there's a little book written by Chuck Smith, who's passed on now, but he wrote a book called Why Grace Changes Everything. And it absolutely revolutionized my walk with Jesus, revolutionized it, changed everything uh, for me. Uh, you know, I understood not only, not only was, did I not need to work for my salvation, but there was nothing that I could ever do, no amount of good works that I could ever accomplish to even come close uh, to paying for that salvation. You know, um, I think it was Dave Hunt that used to say, give that analogy of somebody offers you a priceless Van Gogh painting and they say, here, I want you to have it. And you say, well, let me give you 10 bucks for it anyway. You know, I got 10 bucks here in my wallet. And Dave Hunt would say, you've, you've, you've insulted the gift giver and you've rejected the gift. It's a gift. It's a priceless gift. You could never pay for it. All you do is just say, wow, thank you. Uh, and that's, that's what Jesus, I think that's what the Lord has called, called for us. And, and, and it's, it's that, it's, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart. Whatever's inside of you is going to come to the surface. You know, uh, it's easy to put on a happy face, right? We do it at work all week. You know what I mean? Hey, how are you? You know, and to the customers and everything else. But, but eventually what's inside comes to the surface. You know, just you squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. Um, and God allows that to happen. And so God wants us, we're going to, we're going to be talking about this morning. God wants our inside to be changed and only he can do that. Only he can do that. He's the only one that can do that work in our hearts and our lives. Our job, <clears throat> one, of my, one of my other favorite verses of all time, when the people ask Jesus, what may we do that we may do the work of God? I mean, here it is. Here's the question for the ages. The people asking the Son of God, what do we got to do to do the work of God? What do we got to do to be God's people? 
And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he sent. And that is the work of the believer, to believe in the one whom he said, well, that's too simplistic, that's too easy. And you grace people, you know, you grace people, you talk about grace, 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 and you forget that the Bible teaches, yes, the Bible does teach holiness. Yes, the Bible does teach absolute perfection. What do you expect God to lay out in the scriptures? Mediocrity? God, do the, you know what? Just whatever, do the best you can. No, God lays out for us his perfect holiness. In other words, he gives us this as this is the goal. This is who I am. This is your heavenly father. This is my nature. This is who I am. And this is what I want you to chase after. And you're going to fall and you're going to stumble and you're going to fail miserably. And so in the Old Testament, here's the sacrificial system. And in the New Testament, in the, the time that we live in, here's the blood of Jesus Christ. The grace that was offered and given and purchased for us once and for all time. That if we believe in the one whom he sent, if we believe in that finished work, that's the greatest thing that's called the finished work. The finished work of Jesus Christ. It's already done. The battle is already won. Everything has already been accomplished in God's economy. We're just living it out. You know, remember, we're three-dimensional beings. We're subjected to, the to time, matter, and space. You know, those are created things. God created in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, time, space, matter. But he, as the creator himself, stands outside of the timeline. He sees the timeline is finished. That's why the Bible says the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. And the Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning. Not the beginning to the end. He knows the end from the beginning. Because he's outside of time. And so in God's economy, it's completed, it's won, the battle is won, the victory is ours. And it's very simple. Here's the bus, and it's going to heaven, and God says, you, you want in? <laughs> yeah. I don't have any tokens, though. <laughs> Do you believe that this bus is taking you to the promised land? Yeah. Get on, baby. That's beautiful, man. So <clears throat> I, I say all that um, to preface Leviticus. <laughs> Every time I read the book of Leviticus, every time I go through the old tips, and I go, oh, thank you, Jesus, that we're not under the law. Because it is a burden, man. It is a burden. And a lot of it's redundant, and it seems monotonous, and it's like, blah, 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 blah. But I think all of that, for us as believers, we read this, and for us, this is a victory song. This is a victory song. The Bible says that Jesus Christ took the handwriting of requirements, the law that we're reading and studying in, in the book of Leviticus and, and Numbers and Deuteronomy, that he took those handwritings and requirements that were against us because it's contrary to us. In other words, God's perfect law and God's perfect ordinances are against us. It can only ever condemn us. Why? Because it's contrary to our very nature. We are earthly beings. We are fleshly beings. We were born with a sin nature. You understand what that means? Like a fish was born with a breathing water nature. Right? And you could take that fish and you could throw him in, 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 uh, up in the grass and say, Come on, stupid. Breathe air. What's wrong with you? Don't just sit there. Breathe. He can't breathe. He's a fish. He's got a nature. And he has to be in the water. Well, we have a sin nature. We can't help but to sin. The Bible says all. And how many people are included in all? All. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
That's who we are. That's who we are. That's our nature. That's our nature. And yet God, in His love and in His grace and His forgiveness, okay, sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross as the final atoning sacrifice. The word of the law, it's against me. In other words, it can only ever convict me. It can only ever convict me. I stand up in the court of law, and I'm judged according to the Bible, according to the Mosaic, what we call the Mosaic law, the law, the Old Testament covenant, the covenant of the Old Testament, and I'm judged according to that? Oh, no. Guilty on 1,563 counts, Your Honor. And we sentence him to 855,000 consecutive life sentences. Or even worse, he must die. He must die. And so the Bible says that Jesus Christ, in the sacrifice on the cross that he offered up freely, took these handwritings of requirements, which are against us because they're contrary to us, and nailed them to the cross. You understand, right? It wasn't just a man that died on the cross that day. It was the power of the law... And the power of sin and death because of what the law does was nailed to the cross. Hello? For us. So that we could just look to the cross. You ever read Pilgrim's Progress? How many people have ever read Pilgrim's Progress? It's great. It's great. There's a, and for stupid dummies like me, there's one called Little Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> and it's like a kid's version. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can understand. It's got pictures and pop-ups, you know. I love it. He, Christian is the main character, right? He comes to the cross, and he's got this great, huge, giant burden he's wearing on his back. I, I like the pictures. I got to see the pictures, you know what I'm saying? And he's got, the, and he's got this huge, giant pack on his back, and, and he's, uh, he's trudging, and he knows that there's something for him. He knows God's called him. And this portion of the book, when he finally comes to the, he gets to the cross, and he gets to the cross, and he looks up to the cross, and the burden, this giant, huge, massive burden that had him bent and bowed over just falls off. And it's gone. When we talk about, I've been released, I've been set free, and the chains that used to bind me, no more. That's what we're talking about. There's nothing, there's nothing that keeps me away from God anymore. All the sins, all of the imperfections, all the wickedness of my own life, gone at the foot of the cross. Gone. Wiped away. Wiped away. He takes our sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. Remembers them no more. What sin? What are you talking about? I just feel bad, God. Why? Well, because back in 1993, remember I punched that guy? In the... I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. That's gone, brother. Sister, that's gone. Don't you dare, as a child of God, go marinate in your past. Don't you dare. You don't have the right to do that. Because Jesus wiped it out completely through the finished work of the cross. And on that note, let's talk about lizards. Okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you think I'm kidding? <laughs> Leviticus, chapter 11. <laughs> Leviticus 11, starting with verse 24. Uh, 
Leviticus 11.24. We're, we're going through unclean animals, okay? This is according to the Mosaic Law. This is the, this is, these are the ceremonial laws of what is clean and what is unclean, okay? Certain animals are clean. Certain animals are unclean. Certain insects are clean. Certain insects are unclean. Uh, as, you, as we read through this, I expect you for the most part to be going, huh, what, why, hmm, huh? Uh, but we're going to talk about that, <clears throat> not, not, not why each individual animal is either clean or unclean, because some of them make sense, and some of them it's like, mm, okay, you know, I guess so. Uh, let's start with verse 22. Actually, let's start with verse 21, sorry. Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours. And just in case you ever got a hankering for eating some insects, folks, here we go. Those which have jointed legs above their feet which, with which to leap on the earth, these you may eat, the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. Remember John the Baptist, that's what he ate. He lived in the wilderness. He prophesied of the coming of Jesus. He called men to repentance, and the Bible says that he ate locusts and wild honey. Okay, so that's what you got when you went out to the... Well, here's the guy proclaiming the coming of Jesus Christ, and here's what you get when you go out in the wilderness to hear John preach. It's this wild-eyed guy with dreadlocks and a big heavy beard, and it's got honey and bugs, legs, and wings sticking to it. And he's like, repent! And you're like, okay, whatever, just don't rob me, you know. Um, <clears throat> but all other flying insects with which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. By the flies, I mean, that's easy. Disgusting. But all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. The carcass of any animal which divides the foot but is not cloven-hooved or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean. And whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, these are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. So if you're Jewish, you can't, you know, you, don't, you might want to be careful getting Chinese takeout because you never know. Anybody? Okay. Sorry. Lord, I apologize. <laughs> uh Whatever to, whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean till evening. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. These also shall be unclean to you among the creeping things that creep on the earth. The mole, the mouse, and the large lizard after its kinds. The gecko, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. Anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is any item of wood or clothing or skin or sack. Whatever item it is in which any work is done, it must be put in water, and it shall be unclean until evening when it shall be clean. And any earthen vessel, which would be up like a pot, into which any of them falls, you know, because in those, imagine, <clears throat> you know, you're in the wilderness and you're going from place to place and you've got tents, there's critters. There's creatures and there's critters and you're going to go and you're gonna, there's going to be a dead lizard in the pot, right? Or a dead mole in the pot or something like that. It's going to happen. 
Uh, any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, you shall break, and whatever is in it shall be unclean. In other words, if you had food in that pot, and you look in it, and there's a dead lizard on top of all that grain, got to throw it out. In such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean. And any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether it is an oven or a cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean. But whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed which is to be sown, it remains clean. But if water is put on the seed, and if a part of any such carcass falls on it, it becomes unclean to you. Same thing with the food. The, the dried food, uh, if, 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 if the carcass falls on it, but if there's water, it's that idea of that water being on the carcass and then getting on the food and kind of getting down inside of it. Same thing with the planting seed. If it's just a dried seed, it's okay. But if there's water put it on it, been put on it to plant, and then a carcass falls on it, one of these carcasses, it's unclean. And if any animal which you may eat, that would be amongst the clean animal, if any animal which you may eat dies, <clears throat> he who touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. He who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also who carries its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly... Whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat, for they are an abomination, and boy are they. I hate snakes. I hate them. People go, I got, I got a pet snake. Well, you, you're, there's something wrong with you, okay? I got, they are creepy, creepy creatures, man. This is me personally. I got no problem with spiders. I could have tarantulas on my shoulders. It doesn't bother me. Anything with legs, I'm cool. A, a worm actually doesn't bother me, but a snake. You're talking about creeping things. You ever watch a snake? Right? And, and, I, and I do too, because I'm, I'm weird and I can't help myself. And as much as they freak me out and I hate snakes, I love watching the nature shows about snakes. It's like, look, children, pure evil, you know. And the way a snake moves and the way a snake crawls and the way a snake, everything about it ain't right. Okay? That's just my personal opinion. That's not according to the law. But they were unclean. Now, here's the, here's the thing. We're going to get into more of this about this. There's, there's no bad animals. I'm choke, totally joking about snakes, by the way. I hate them with a, with, a, with a deep-seated, passionate hatred, okay? I hate snakes. There's nothing wrong with a snake. It's an animal created by God. There's nothing wrong in and of itself of a snake any more than there is of a pig or a rabbit or of any of the other animals that God created that were unclean for the children of Israel to partake in or to touch or to eat. I make jokes, but <clears throat> that's, that's, the, that's the truth of it. Um, but, but we're going to make a point here. Verse 43. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth, for I am the Lord 
who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Now listen, okay? These verses here from verse 40, verse 44 and verse 45 out of the entire chapter of chapter 11, those are the only two verses that I want you to pay any attention to in your life. Th- those are the verses that matter. You say, what do you mean? How dare you say that the other verses of the Bible? No, no. Here's what I'm trying to say. All of the other stuff, who cares? Here's what matters. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall not. And you shall be holy for I am holy. Every other thing that God was instructing the children of Israel to do or to not do or to touch or not touch or eat or not eat is irrelevant to what God is saying about who he is. Why? Because, because then, otherwise, it's why. Why? What do you mean you can't? You, when, we, when we're going through that and you say you can't eat rabbits, and you're like, you can't eat a rabbit? That's like, I don't know, it's like some sort of chicken or something. Rabbits? Rabbits aren't filthy beasts. Pigs, I understand. You know what I mean? They're gross. You know, a pig will eat a dead body. Really. But, but a rabbit? A rabbit? Why can't you eat a rabbit? It doesn't make any sense. Well, none of that matters. You understand? What matters is, I'm the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You always would bring them to that recollection. I'm the Lord your God who released you from the bondage. Now remember for us, for Christians, Egypt is for us a picture of sin. It's a picture of the world. I am the Lord your God who forgave you of all your sins. I'm the Lord your God who set you free from the bondage of sin and death. I am the Lord your God That's why we obey the word. Now we're going to get to the fact that we don't have to obey any of this stuff that we're reading, which is fantastic, right? Because I love swine, okay? I love pig. I love love bacon. I love pork. I just love it. Probably, Reggie, you're looking at me like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong? I can't help it. I love, who doesn't love bacon? Anything plus bacon is good. You know what I mean? The most disgusting, despicable, despised green vegetable, wrap it in bacon, Tommy Likey, you know what I mean? I love it. I'm so glad we're free from all of this stuff. We're going to get to that as well. But for the Israelite, this is the point. Remember, this is always the point because I'm the Lord your God. Because we have in the church today, we have so many Christians in the church today that feel that they don't have to obey certain parts of what was commanded. And there's certain things that are outdated. There's certain things that, well, that doesn't hold true anymore. Or that's not like that anymore. Things have changed. Wait a second. Wait a second. God hasn't changed. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Okay, and we can have a talk about grace and forgiveness and the way God works. But his word is his word. So as believers, sometimes we just have to say to ourselves, you know what? I just don't get to do that. I just don't get to be involved in that. It's not something that I just don't get to be around. The Bible talks about the fact that what fellowship does light have with darkness? Light dispels darkness. You never have like, you know what I mean, there's light and there's darkness and they go, hey, let's be buddies and it all works together. No, where there's light, there's no darkness. Light dispels darkness. And the Bible talks about that we are children of the light. And if we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, we've been brought into the glorious kingdom of God, and we've been made His sons and daughters, 
and he is light and he is holiness and he is love and he is truth and he is righteousness, then we can't have fellowship with the darkness and the wickedness and the lies of this world anymore. That's not to say that, well, you took all, all your unsaved friends and say, yeah, hey, Jack, I'm done with you. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You make me sick. I've been sent, you know, no, 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 not at all. Remember, Jesus Christ was, was criticized by the religious hypocrites because he ate and drank and broke bare bread with sinners, right? But remember, when they called him on that, how can this man be a man of God and break bread with sinners? You don't do that. You don't talk to sinners. You know, you don't be around such people. Jesus is like, what? It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. But wherever you go... Take your light with you. This little light of mine. Remember? I'm going to let it shine. Oh, Lordy. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Let it. Hide it under a bushel. No. This is a little kid song for you, old school. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it, you know. That's the whole idea of that little song for kids. What we're trying to teach them is that wherever you go as a believer in Jesus Christ, you take that light with you and you let that light shine. Hey, you go to church, don't you? Well, I'm not sure. Once in a while, every once in a while, if I feel silly, you know. Oh, yeah, I do. Wow. Well, usually that'll bring questions. I get questions all the time. Well, how can you... Aren't you supposed to be a pastor? <laughs> I get this all the time. Look at, what's, what, look at you. You don't act like a pastor. Cool. Because I'm just a dude. I'm a sprinkler fitter, and I like dirt bikes, and I like... That's just who I am. God said preach, I said, I'll tell you, God says, fatty preach, fatty going to preach, right? That's all this is. God's called me to do something, so I do it. I'm not some sort of a religious leader. I'm not some sort of a person to be looked up above anybody else. I'm just a guy who was called to preach, so I preach. I love it. I love it because it's what God's called me to do. But there's no difference between me and anyone else. But God has called all of us to shine a light. To be a light, to shine that light wherever we are. I remember going to one of my buddy's bachelor parties. And it's on the back porch of, uh, it's on the North Salina Street. And it's like a, like a, kind of like a bar in the front. And then on the back, there's like a porch, a patio area. And we're out there and there's hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that. And, and um, this, we're out there and this waitress comes out. You know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes waitresses will dress a certain way to get better tips. Does that make sense? Okay, you know what I'm saying? But this was a little overboard to where I was like, hmm, <laughs> hmm. And then I noticed she was sitting on somebody's lap. And I went, rut row, raggy. And I looked at my buddy and I said, um, when a little more skin makes its first appearance, I'm going to have to go. And sure enough, a, little, a lot more skin made its appearance. And I just went around the room and I said, hey, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. You sit. No, I didn't do that at all. Congratulations, congratulations. Love you guys. Love you guys. I'll see you later. Got to go. No, I'm not, I'm not angry with them. I don't have a problem with them. They're fish and they're breathing water, right? But I don't have the right to pretend I'm still a water-breathing fish when God's made me a land animal. I don't have the right to do that. So I'm always going to hang out with my boys. If I have any opportunity, they don't call as often as they used to, you know what I mean? Because I'm not the party that I used to be. 
to those guys. And so I don't get the calls. But any opportunity I have to hang out with my boys, you guys, I mean, and I don't know if it's, I think mainly it's, I don't, don't get offended, girls, but guys, you're boys, like you're dudes who are like your dudes. I don't care if it's from elementary school. Those are your brothers for life. That's just the way it is with guys. I, I could not talk to somebody for 20 years. I see him and it's a hug. What's up? You know, it doesn't matter. I love those guys. I will always love those guys. And anytime any of them call me and say, hey, we want to hang out, I'm there. I'm there. I'm going to shine my light, though. Understand, the light's coming with me. <laughs> I'm not going to, like, leave the light at home for Nikki to take care of, you know what I mean? Let me put on my dark robes, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, i got to bring the light. And that doesn't mean I'm going to preach at them, and that doesn't mean that I'm going to give them, put them on a trip about not being able to breathe air when they're fish. I'm going to love them, and I'm going to shine the light. And if I have any opportunity at all to speak the name Jesus... I'm going to crowbar it in there if I have opportunity. And if a question's asked, I'm going to answer it. And I'm going to love on them. And then if they say, okay, break out the weed, you know what I mean? Time for me to go, okay? Now it's time for me to go. Love you guys. Love you guys. Not my deal. Not my deal. Call me, right? When you're going to have a, <laughs> like a regular, you know what I mean? But listen. That's the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's who Jesus was. No more of this do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. And we're going to talk about that. But the important thing. Now imagine this is just one chapter of Leviticus. This is just one chapter in Leviticus about these unclean animals. Now don't you see and get the picture in your mind that if you're a Jew... And you're living in this time, and you're in the wilderness, and you're putting up your tents and taking down your tents and worshiping at the tabernacle, and whenever the, the cloud of the pillar of cloud or fire is, is lifted up and moved, then you go with it. And when it sets and rests, then you set up camp and all. That's your life. Don't you get the feeling when you read some of this stuff that like all day, every day, you're going to be like looking in your pots, right? And you're going to be checking, and you're going to be like, oh man, did I just touch a? Did I touch? Did I, did I touch that? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm unclean. I, you know what, guys? I think I'm going to be unclean till evening. I'll see you later. I'll see. I'll see you. I'll see you tonight. You know, like, like this is just one chapter. You go through all Leviticus and you realize that these people were living every minute of every day of their entire lives worrying about the statutes and ordinances of God. Always, constantly, it never ended. Wow. So what was God saying to you and me? What does the Bible say to us as Christians? Everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. Now, that's not some sort of religious ordinance. You know, before I pick up my phone, Lord bless this phone. Lord, I pray that everything I do... No, 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 no. Everything that we have in Jesus Christ is here, is here. Lord, help me have the right attitude. Lord, help me to see you in every aspect of everything I do. Lord, help me always, if there's a question, if there's a doubt, if there's anything whatsoever, that I would seek your face first. That I wouldn't seek for the answer amongst men, 
but I would seek my answer from you. Lord, help me to do the things that I do in my life. I got, I got a call from a guy Friday who is a, he's, a, he's been in the field. He's been in the, in, he's been in the trade for longer, way longer than me, like over 30 years. But he's a construction guy. He was not a service guy, okay? So he's really quite a simpleton. No, I'm kidding. So great, great guy. Love the guy. He's rough. He's big. He's rough. He's gruff. And he's got a big sweetheart. And I love the guy. But he's an inspector now. So he calls me all the time. He calls me all the time and asks me questions and questions and questions. And Frankie, can I FaceTime you? I'm going to FaceTime you. And I'm like, okay, don't worry. I've got nothing going on today. You know what I mean? And I always try to help him. Whatever I can, I try to help him and encourage him. Right? And he said to me something that was like, oh, see, I probably shouldn't say anything because now I'm going to ruin my reward, but it's too late now, okay? He said to me, he goes, he goes, you were in the office talking about you the other day, Frankie. And I go, oh, no. <laughs> I go, oh, no. What were they saying? He goes, you're always happy. Now you're always smiling. You always got a kind word, don't you? I said, well, praise God, brother. I try, you know? Oh, well, I got to go, <laughs> you know? But, 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 but that's what I want to be. I don't, I don't ever want to be some looked at or, or seen as some perfect person. And those of you who know me realize, no problem. You know what I mean? No problem, you know? The people who know me best that go to this church are constantly saying to me, you know, I, 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 man, when the Lord speaks through you, it's really, that's amazing. <laughs> no offense, <laughs> no offense, but I know you. You're a goof, right? You're just like, like everybody else. You're like every other dude, and yet God sometimes will speak through you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. There's no difference, man. This is what God wants for every single one of us. Um, it's, such, it's such good news. All right, let me, let me just read to you guys a couple of awesome good news New Testament scriptures concerning this kind of thing. Because if you walk with the Lord long enough, eventually somebody's going to come into your life and try to put you on a trip. Somebody's going to try to put you on a trip. You know, we really should still be eating the kosher laws. We really were never released from that. You're like, do you read your Bible at all? You know what I'm saying? I mean, those of us, you know, we laugh. Those of us who are, who are people who study the Bible can take the stuff for granted. But people will try to put a trip on you about dietary laws and stuff like that. So I just wanted to read a few verses. Uh, when he had called, this is, this is from Matthew chapter 15. When he had called a multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended <laughs> when they heard this saying? Yeah, he knew. <laughs> he didn't care. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And as the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Ouch. Uh, and then the verse 16, Jesus said to his disciples as they came to him asking him more about this, and he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed, God bless you, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, 
blasphemies, these are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's harsh. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, now you expect this to be followed by some sort of list of wicked works and wicked deeds. Someone who's rejected the faith and teaching doctrines of demons... What is so offensive? What, what kind of doctrine or what kind of teaching would be so offensive to the Apostle Paul? If you know anything about him, this will make perfect sense. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Here it is. For every creature of God is good. And nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Amen? And, and what Paul was specifically talking about was when the, when the good news, when the way, when the teaching, the gospel of Jesus Christ began to go to the Gentiles, remember, that's when Peter was given that vision of a sheet let down from heaven with every kind of creeping creature and snakes and pigs on it. And, and a voice from heaven said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And, you know, and it's funny because in Matthew, Jesus is like, don't you guys still understand? It's not what goes into the man that defiles him. It's what comes. Well, Peter still didn't understand, even after Pentecost. Years later, he still didn't fully get it. Because when he has this vision, he says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything. I've never eaten anything unclean. Peter, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And he does this three different times. And right after that, Peter is called upon and the Lord sends him to the house of a Roman soldier who was inquiring about Jesus Christ. And as him and his entire family got saved. And Peter stayed on there for like three days. Now what do you suppose kind of food was served? I guarantee it wasn't kosher. I guarantee and Peter, three days earlier, would have been like, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't eat that. And they would have been like, gee, what's wrong with us? And, Jesus, and so God shows Peter, kill and eat. So this, this idea, this doctrine of putting all these different trips on people, Paul was not, he says it's the doctrine of demons. Here's another awesome one from Colossians chapter 2. So let no one judge you in food or in drink. Or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ... From the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men? These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in, in, in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh, because it has nothing to do with the heart. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus said to the disciples, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and then in Matthew 23, Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. That would be all of the ceremonial requirements of the traditions of the elders. Not even just the law of Moses, not even just the Levitical law. But beyond that, the traditions of the elders, which they held on equal footing with the Mosaic law. They put heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts and best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. And then down in verse 13 of Matthew 23, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as you are. Yikes. You wonder why they wanted him dead. You don't say this to a Pharisee. You do not say this to a rabbi in, you know, zero AD, right? You, well, you know, you don't do this. Okay? You don't say this thing to one of these religious leaders, and yet Jesus did. Interestingly, he told the people, do what they say. When they speak of the law, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Jesus' whole condemnation against the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day, they kept all of the dietary laws. They kept all of the regulations of the traditions of the elders, and yet they hated people. And yet when Jesus Christ opposed them, their first thought in their heart was to kill him. And they took advantage of the poor. That's why Jesus turned over the tables in the temple of the moneylenders. Because the poor people would come in and they had Roman money. And they would come into the temple and the religious hypocrites would say, you can't spend Roman money in here. You have to trade it in for temple money. Well, guess what? Temple money's holy and so it's worth more. And so if you got $5 of Roman money, that's going to get you about $1 of temple money. And the sheep that you brought, it's not, going to, it's not going to make it. I'm sorry it's not up to stuff, snuff. You're not going to be able to sacrifice that here today. You're going to have to buy one of our pre-approved temple sheep. You think I'm joking? This is exactly what they were doing. Making merchandise of the people. And imagine poor Jesus, you know what I mean? He walks into a room and he immediately sees every heart. He sees every thought. He sees every intention. He knows exactly what's going on. And the people would come to church to worship God and they'd get robbed. They'd get robbed. 
And rather than sitting there and being able to just lift our hands and worship God in freedom and in spirit and in truth, he'd be like, I hate coming to this place because I, I leave with no money. And I'm broke and I can't even pay my bills. Jesus came in and just beat the snot out of them. I love it. I love it. Jesus comes in. I mean, he never acted like that with sinners. He never treated sinners like that. But the religious people, he physically beat them. Hello? I love it. He physically beat them. Why? His condemnation against them was that you, neither you nor yourselves are going into the kingdom, you hypocrites, because your hearts are wicked and dark and you're thieves. I know you. You're thieves. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And you keep other people from coming to the kingdom. That's why he got so mad at the disciples when they told the mothers, don't bring your little kids around Jesus. Jesus is too busy for little kids. And Jesus said, hey, you let the children come unto me and don't forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Don't you guys ever be in the business of keeping people from coming to me. Because I'm for everyone I'm for everybody. That's why Jesus was so mad with the religious hypocrites. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for your word, Lord, and, and thank you so much for the freedom that we have, Lord, from the law in Christ Jesus, Lord. Thank you for uh, the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for setting us free, Lord. We can live our lives uh, before you, Father. And if we screw up, we can just acknowledge it, Lord, and just move forward, Lord. We're free uh, from condemnation, Lord. We're free from guilt because of what you've accomplished through your Son at the cross. Father, I pray that you would help these words and, and these, these what that we've written and heard today, Father, to just resonate in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and we would walk around with joy in our hearts, Lord, and a spring in our step because of our place we have with you, Father. We've got a place at the table, at the head table, and we never, ever could deserve it or earn it, Father, but you've put us there freely because of what Jesus has accomplished. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you so much for the fellowship we have together. Lord, we pray that you'd continue to lead us and guide us and draw us closer and closer to yourself, Lord, day by day, and all the more as we see that day approaching, Father, and we see it approaching, Lord, and we're so happy and we're so excited to see you face to face, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would make our church exactly what you want it to be, Father, nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Lord, that like the children of Israel, we would be, our requirement that we would have in this place, Lord, was to just do, would be to just do what you've called us to do. Whatever doors you open, we would go through, and whatever doors you close, we would stop, Father, because you are our God who brought us out of the land of spiritual Egypt, Father. You are our God who is holy and righteous, Lord, and that's all we need to know. We want to obey you, Father, collectively as a church and in this place and in this ministry, we want to obey you. Lord, show us what to do. Show us what not to do. Help us to just follow after you, to be obedient, Lord, to your word. I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters. I pray that you'd watch over them, that you'd protect them. I pray that you'd cause your face to shine upon them, that you'd be gracious to them, Lord, that you'd lead them along your paths of righteousness and holiness and truth and light, Father, and that would resonate from their hearts to the people around them, Lord. I pray that you'd give them hope and then help them to be hope, Lord, to those who have none. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.